And so welcome once again. Good morning. It's nice to have you with us. Uh, today is all about making a new start. And I don't know whether anybody feels like uh, sometimes in life you would just like to make a new start. Sometimes in life you almost wish you could kind of wind back 24 hours and just start again. Has anyone felt like that in the last couple of weeks? There have been a few occasions for a few of us, haven't there, where we thought if only we could have just wound the clock back and try, had a second pass at that day. Could we try all over again? Has anybody ever made a mistake on their work when they've been doing their homework or schoolwork? Have you ever made a mistake and uh, you wish you could just start again? Yeah? Tell me how it feels. Um, when you um, write another another word, but when um, you have to put some uh, a word between it. Okay, great. So sometimes you write a word, but you messed out a word, and you just wish you could go back and start again. Yeah. Has anybody else ever done that? Wish you could start again. Yeah. Tell me, how does it feel? Annoying. Annoying. It feels annoying when you look at something you've made a mistake. Tell me again. It feels frustrated. It feels frustrating. Can we have this a little louder, whoever's on the sound desk, please, so the kids can um, hear? Uh, wonderful. How does it feel, David? Worrying. Worrying, yeah. So sometimes you make a mistake and then everything looks, everything's worrying and you wish you could just start again. Has anybody made a mistake in life where they just wish they could start the day over? Yeah, think back. Maybe, maybe a relationship that you were in. Maybe something you said or something you did. You, know, you don't have to share it here. I won't make anybody share. But you know, there are those times, aren't there, where you just think, if only I could have done that again. Well, baptism is all about making new starts. And do you know what? There's an amazing story in the Bible where God looks at all that is going on and says, this is broken. I wish I could just start again. Does anybody know where that story occurs? Can anybody think of which story I might be talking about where, where God looks at everything and he says, this is all wrecked, this is all a mess, and I wish I could just start again. What do you think, Caleb? Noah's Ark. Noah and the Flood. That's exactly right. It's one of the most important stories in the Bible, and it reminds us of God's promises, and it reminds us how God can make things new out even out of water and out of destruction. Uh, it's really important because of a promise that God makes at the very end of it. So I want you to listen out in a moment when we uh, rehearse the story. And Jesus talks about the story of Noah and the flood when he talks about people starting life again and making good choices. So let's uh, remind ourselves of the story of Noah and the flood with our next slide. begins like this. First, let's start at the beginning. God created the world to be the most perfect home, with mountains as playgrounds and oceans as swimming pools. Then God made people to be like Him and to live in it. And He wanted us to play with animals and explore jungles and be close to Him forever. It was perfect. But instead, people ran away from God. They hurt each other. They ruined the perfect home God had built for them. The Bible says this made God really, really sad. So sad, in fact, that God decided to wash away all the evil and meanness and cruelty in the world by sending a huge flood to destroy everything, to get rid of all the wrong things and the people who kept doing them. But there was one guy who followed God. That's right, Noah. 
God had a special rescue planned for Noah. He told Noah to build a big boat called an ark to stay in during the flood. It had to be big enough for Noah's wife and kids and at least two of every kind of animal on Earth. So, pretty big. And Noah had to build it in the middle of dry land, which means his neighbors probably thought he was crazy, or at least a little weird. Kids, sometimes following God looks a little weird. We're okay with that. Anyway, looking weird didn't stop Noah. He knew he needed to be rescued. So he finished the ark and waited for God to bring the animals. And God brought them all right. Just imagine what those neighbors thought when they saw an entire zoo strolling through their yards. When Noah's family and all the animals were inside, God shut the door. Then, the Bible says God opened the bottom of the ocean and the windows of the sky. We don't know what that means exactly, but we do know it was tons of water. It rained like this for 40 days and 40 nights. And the rain wasn't the worst of it. Once the water stopped, it didn't go away. Noah and his family sat cooped up, floating in the ark for over a year, just waiting. And waiting and waiting. Did we mention they waited? Well, when the tops of the mountains finally started to show, Noah sent out a dove to see if there was dry land. There wasn't. A week later, he sent the dove again. The water was going down. A week later, Noah sent out the dove one last time. It didn't come back, which meant it had found a home. Noah and his family could leave the ark. The very first thing Noah did was build an altar to worship God and thank him for his rescue. And God made a covenant with Noah, which is like a very special promise. God promised never to destroy the earth with a flood, even though he knew humans would keep right on doing wrong things that made him sad. God put a rainbow in the sky to remind Noah that he would definitely keep this promise. And just like God rescued Noah, he would one day send his own perfect son, Jesus, to earth. Jesus would take the punishment of all people. Then, God could be close to everyone who wants to follow him. And that's the story of Noah. So, in case you missed it, here's the quick version. God made a perfect home. People ruined it. God was sad. He planned a flood and a rescue. Noah built an ark. Animals came. It rained. Noah waited. Dry land appeared. Noah worshipped God. God made a promise. God sent Jesus to rescue us. And that's a part of God's story. Brilliant. So there we are. So that's a little bit of the story of Noah. I'm sorry you had a glitch with the sound in the middle of it. Now I want to find out how much we know about the story of Noah and the flood with a little multiple choice quiz. So let's have our first question. And uh, I think we'll make this a whole united thing. Next slide. There we get right. So, uh, I'm going to ask you to put your hands up. Because the earth would be flooded, God told Noah to, and then put your hand up if you think this is right, A, take swimming lessons. Anyone? Any takers for A? Anyone in the gallery taking for A? No? Okay. Uh, did he B, build a big Boat, build a big ark. Okay, yeah, half the congregation think that God told Noah to build an ark. Um, or did God tell Noah to see, bring his washing in before it starts to rain? Did anybody not vote? Grown-ups, be honest. Okay, uh, let's see, let's see what the right answer is. 
It was B, build a big ark. Right, next question. Uh, the animals went into the ark. Put your hands up if you think it was A, two by two. There's a lot of people holding their votes back. Come on, adults, don't be shy. Nobody's going to tell you off uh, today. Um, but we can join in. It's participate. Hands up. You can do it. Okay, imagine you're a child. Remember in class at school when you needed the toilet? this okay uh, okay so lots of votes for a two by two b in a four by four any takers for a four by four no uh, they went into the ark or c with some two by four any builders in the house anyone know what that means bit of two by four oh, a bit of two by four okay let's check the answer it was a two by two well done did you get it right did you get it right okay let's check the next question right the rain fell and flooded the earth was it a on every bank holiday yeah, that's right. that was what I thought. Um, in fact, the last week or two, it's felt a bit like that, hasn't it? Um, it's a little painful for me talking about floods just at the moment because our church has been flooded quite a lot in the last few weeks. Uh, was it, uh, did the rain fall and flood the earth? B, for 40 years in the wilderness? Any takers for 40 years in the wilderness? No. Or C, for 40 days and 40 nights? Hands up, hands up. Yeah, okay, let's check the answer. It was C, for 40 days and 40 nights. Next question. How many sheep did Noah take into the ark? Was it A, two? Any takers? Oh, not takers. Was it B, 14? Few takers. Or was it C, seven? Let's check the answer. It was B, 14. <laughs> that's, that's my little trick question because... Because the Bible says that Noah was asked to take in two of every kind of animal and every creature and seven pairs of every clean animal. And sheep were some of the clean animals in the Jewish region. Ah, there you are. So, seven times two, 14. There we go. Okay, uh, Noah's three sons, were they called A, Tom, Dick and Harry? B, Stock, Aiken and Waterman. You show your age if you answer that one. Uh, or C, Shem, Ham, and Japheth? Let's check the answer. It was C, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Next question. When the waters receded, the ark came to rest on, was it A, Mount Ararat? Few takers. Was it B, Yasser, Arafat? <laughs> See what I did there. Or was it C, Mount Doom? Doom. Any takers? No, let's check the answer. It was A, Mount Ararat. Okay, next question. Um, when the waters had gone down further, Noah sent, was it A, an email to his home insurers to check if he was covered for flood damage? Or was it B, a dove to see if there was any dry land anywhere? Hands up, few votes for that. Or was it C, his sons to the shops for supplies? Let's check the answer. B, a dove to see if there's any dry land. Well done, all of you who voted B. Okay, I think this is the last question. What sign did God give Noah to reassure him for the future? Was it a, uh, was it a warning sign about floods? Uh, hands up for that. Was it, a, um, was it a don't drink the water sign? No, or was it a rainbow? Let's check. It was a rainbow. Very good. I think that was the last question. Let's go to the next slide. Very good. Okay, so what is with all the water? How do you feel about 
water. Do you know what? When I was a child, um, when I was, how, how old are you? How old are you? How old are you? What age are you? Nine. Nine. How old? So when I, when I was, when I was about nine years old, I was afraid of water. I couldn't swim very well, and I didn't like going in the water. Uh, I, when I was a couple of years old, maybe it was 11 or 12, I had to go in a, one of those kayaks, a canoe thing with a closed cover, and I got stuck, and I rolled onto the side, and I, got, I couldn't get out, and my head was stuck in the water, and I really didn't like it. So I really, Does anybody else here not like going in the water? Be honest. Does anybody not like going in the water? There's a few people who don't really like going in the water. Um, you know when you have to take your kids swimming and you go to Britannia Leisure Centre or wherever it is and you think, do I really want to go in the pool with them today? Um, hands up if the thought of going into a public leisure centre swimming pool with your kids fills you with dread. Yeah, I know a few people who that fills them with dread. Uh, so I didn't like water when I was younger. I thought that water was menacing. I thought it was scary. I thought you could drown in it. And then something changed. When I was a teenager... I started to like water, and uh, in particular, I, I started to like surfing. And does anybody know why I started surfing? Can anybody guess why I started surfing? Why do you think? I think you started surfing because because um, you you learned that wa water isn't isn't um, scary. Brilliant. I started learning to surf because I learned that water wasn't scary. That was part of the reason. Can any grown-ups think why I might have started to learn surfing? Joyos, why do you think I started to learn surfing? Maybe because Sarah loves it. Uh, no, I, it could have been. You're on the right track. I didn't know Sarah back then. But yeah, surfing was cool. And I wanted girls to fancy me. So I thought if I... I thought, if I start surfing, and I go to the beach, and I do that whole thing with the wetsuit, with it like half down, and you kind of stroll around like Keanu Reeves in Point Break, I thought, maybe, just maybe. So I'm just being really honest with you there. Um, but probably wasn't going to work looking like that. Let's have the next slide. What are some good things about water? Who can tell me some good things about water? I want some good things about water. You're going to have to be quick. Good things about water. That sometimes it's... Some... Okay, think of something good about water, and when I come, tell me. Um, it takes away fire. It, okay, it puts out fires. Tell me something good about... You can wash yourself with it. You can wash yourself with it. Tell me something good about water. You can drink with it. You can drink it. We need to drink it, don't we? Tell me something good about water. You can wash your hands. You can wash your hands. Uh, something else good about water? We can splash with it. You can splash with it. You can have fun. Let's have one more. What's good about water? It's God's symbol. It's God's symbol. It's a symbol of purity and things. Let's have a look at what we've got. Quenches thirst. Good for cleaning. It's fun swimming. I like swimming. Other water sports like surfing. Um, splashing in puddles. It's essential to life. And it makes you wet. That could be good, could be bad, depending on your point of view. Let's think about what's some bad things about water. What's bad about water? You could drown. You could drown. What else is bad about water? I'm coming around here to Lekaro. What's bad about water? You can't breathe in it. You can't breathe in it. What else is bad? There's sharks in the water. There might be sharks in the water. Not in our baptism pool, I don't think. 
Uh, loan sharks may be in Hoxton, but no... Um, uh, anything else that's bad about water? Anything from the gallery that's bad about water? Shout it out. No? All right, let's have a look. We've flooding, droughts. So water can, water can be very destructive when there's too much of it, and it can be very destructive when there's not enough of it. Do you know, water is like uh, a symbol of the force of chaos. Who remembers um, the tsunami, Boxing Day 2004? Remember that? And half of Indonesia just wiped out by that tsunami. Um, what about when you come to a river? It's an, or a sea, it's an uncrossable barrier. It's in the way. It prevents you from moving. Uh, public swimming pools are usually one of the bad things about water. It's powerful and unpredictable. Uh, a few years ago, my family went on holiday to South Africa, and I quite like surfing, as you know, and I used to surf in North Devon, in Cornwall, and I even used to surf sometimes in France. And then we went surfing, or we went out bodyboarding in uh, uh, just Salt Rock, just near Durban, in the Indian Ocean in South Africa. And boy, were those waves powerful. And I was, I was with Sarah's dad, and we were both like, whoo! That is too, too powerful. Powerful and unpredictable. There's the risk of drowning. Water ruins barbecues, yeah? And barbecues are good. So if water ruins a barbecue, then water must be bad, and it makes you wet. Okay, one more. There's octopus. There's octopuses in water. Not in all water, it's important to add. Water in the Bible is used to describe a force of chaos and a barrier. It's something that we have to overcome. When the, when the, when the Israelites are escaping from Egypt, do you remember the story? They run away and they're pursued by Pharaoh's armies and they come to the Red Sea and the Red Sea is a barrier and they all look back and they can see the armies coming and they think we're going to get slaughtered here because we're stuck and we can't get through. It's a barrier. It's a threat. And what does God do? God parts the waters of the sea and the Israelites pass through on dry ground and then when Pharaoh's army pursue them through it, the waters then cover them over and flood them and destroy them all. So it's very destructive. A little later on in the same sort of part of history, the Israelites come to the edge of the promised land and they reach the River Jordan and they can't cross it because it's running too fast. And what does God do? God stops the water. God makes a way through water. But water in the Bible is also used as a symbol of God's word. And God says in Isaiah that I will rain down my word upon the earth like the spring rains and it will refresh the earth and it will bring things to grow. It will bring good things up from the earth. So water can be a barrier. It can be chaos. At the very beginning of creation, the earth was formless and a void and the waters covered the deep. And when God started creating, he had to push back the water and bring forth earth. He had to bring order out of chaos. And water was also used as a symbol of being cleansed. Water was used by uh, John the Baptist to baptize people. Kids, have a quick look over there at that window. You'll see it. Jesus is standing in the River Jordan and John is kneeling there baptizing him. And in that case, the water is used as a symbol of cleansing, of purity. It's a symbol that is a, a, a sign of the washing. In baptism that we're about to do, water is a symbol of death 
and rebirth. And for those of us who have been baptized in the past, it's a reminder that we die to our old life. That old life which lives in rebellion to God, we die to that life and we, are, we come out, out of the waters of baptism as a symbol of being reborn, new life. Let's uh, read this Bible verse, Colossians 2 verse 12. It's talking about us, the church, Christians. It says, you have been buried with Christ in baptism. You've been buried. It's a bit like you saying you've gone into the grave just like you might be buried in your coffin in the ground, you've been buried with Christ in baptism. You've gone into the place of death. What happens if you go under the water for too long? You drown. That's why when we do full immersion baptism, it's a symbol that we go into the water and it's like there is a real risk there. You've been buried with Christ in baptism, but you've also been raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So in a full immersion baptism, which we're going to see in just a few minutes, you powerfully see the symbol of going down into the water, and it's like you're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die in the, in the, in the burial waters of baptism, and then you're going to be raised to new life. You're going to go under the water and back out. And it's a powerful symbol that everything in us, which is broken, and messed up and dirty and lives in rebellion to God, we're going to, put, we're going to say bye-bye to that stuff. It's like, it's like the eraser in the school book. We're going, to, we're going to rub it out. We're going to be cleansed of all of that old stuff, and we're going to be raised to a new life. Listen, if you've been baptized before, and you've not been... and you've not been renewed in living for Christ, then today is an opportunity to remember your own baptism and think about the kind of life that you want to lead. It's an opportunity for everybody here to renew our baptism vows and to think about who we're truly living for. Because all kinds of things can capture our hearts, capture our attention. It might be our job, it might be money, it might be power, it might be status. All kinds of things can become idols for us and can distract us from living for God. We're going to watch a film clip in one second from a movie called The Piano. And in this film, The Piano, uh, the central character, Ada, uh, adores her piano. She plays it beautifully. It's the most precious thing to her. And the piano is going to be destroyed and thrown into the sea. And Ada thinks that there is nothing uh, left for her in life without her piano. And so it's as though she decides to go with the piano into the depths of the ocean. Let's watch this clip.
chosen life she says there at the end of that clip she says my will has chosen life she nearly drowned with the piano that she loved that entangled her and ensnared her Sometimes for us, we can be entangled and ensnared by things which lead only to death. Baptism, coming to Jesus, is the chance to choose life. And the candidates who are going to be baptized in just a few moments, they've chosen life. They've chosen to live with Jesus, to live in the knowledge of his love. Each of us who's been baptized has made that choice, but you've got a chance today to renew that decision to choose life over death, to leave behind all those other things which might entangle you. Baptism is a promise of new life. It's a promise that God's love will be with us and remain with us. When Jesus was baptized, the voice of the Father came from heaven and said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. For each of you who are baptized, for each of you who will be baptized, God says to you, You are my daughter, my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And he promises never to destroy the earth, but rather to keep us in life. Amen. So we've come to the stage of the service where we're going to chop everything up and do everything a bit different. And we're going to go outside. And uh, when we get outside, all the baptism candidates are going to gather at uh, the front near the pool. And we're going to put this into practice with some baptisms. Um, there are going to be blue chairs outside. It's going to be some standing and some seating. So we're all going to, the rest of the service is all going to take place outside, but you can leave belongings in here if you wish. <laughs>